All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I have to do a 24-hour urine collection. Oh, God. <laughs> so, it's like... Good Lord. It's picture a jerry can. Yeah. And it's like that. Oh, wow. And guess what they tell you to do in between this urine collection? I can't imagine. They tell you to keep it in the fridge. Oh. <laughs> well, you know what? I can picture that because I think that that's what they... They're going to do with it when you deliver it to like them. Bodily They're going to put it in a fridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Jen said, I'm not keeping your piss in a fridge. <laughs> I you don't was... have like a secondary bar fridge or something? Put it in no. the Red Bull fridge at work. That's, that's exactly what Kate said today, too. <laughs> uh, no, I'm probably just going to get like a cooler with spice. At the risk of oversharing, I one time had to do a uh, a sample. Sure. And it it couldn't be more humiliating like it's <laughs> it's a it is a transparent vessel yeah you know what i mean yeah. and then like you're expected to deliver it you're like to a receptionist somewhere with it yeah, yeah. hey here that's a weird by the way usually they just have a little receptacle in the in the um bathroom oh well they should tell it's you like, about that you receptacle put it in that little thing or the thing that's like Oh no! This was this was not unlike yours. It was over a longer period of time. It oh, wasn't, I see. It wasn't just while you're here. Oh, it okay. wasn't one of those. But it gotcha. was. Yeah, like you've got to like. And I'm supposed to put. I know it's like child-proofed, like Flintstones vitamins. It's not right. gonna like open up in my pocket, but it's still in my pocket. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> Talking about the collection of bodily fluids. That's right. Sweets and Slaney. That's right. How you doing? How was the hurricane? Are you tired about talking about the hurricane? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it it was fine. It wasn't it wasn't crazy. We only had lost power for like twenty four hours, yeah. so our struggle was not super real. I was really tired of like the echo chamber of uh of Facebook saying the same thing on like one side or yes. the other. Like there's just no hot takes. Give me some hot takes. Facebook so much. I heard a really hot take on News 95.7. Oh, I love it. Let's a lady it. called in. I was listening on Sunday morning, and all we have is this, uh, this like grind oh, up radio, radio yeah. where you like you, you turn the dial, and sure. I ended up breaking it. And this is the replacement one that I bought for Becky. Uh, um, but uh, so we're listening to to news, and he's just taking calls. He's doing a really good job, like facilitating yeah. this. Yeah. Because uh, it's very different from what I do, but. He's not having a lot of luck because nobody has decent cell service. And so pretty much oh, every person he tries to talk to, it lasts about 18 seconds and then it falls through. Sure. But he does get talking to this one lady and it was too muffly for me to get a, an idea of how old she was. Um, but the, the gist of her thesis was um, Nova Scotia Power should have to reimburse everybody for all the food lost in their fridge. Oh yeah, that's a super hot day. That's a preposterous suggestion. <laughs> yeah, it's and really what, what the the fundamentals of that is, uh, it's Nova Scotia Power's fault that there was a hurricane at all, right? And, and like that, that you had food in the fridge and found nothing else to do with it, right? Yeah, you like, like you didn't know that Hurricane Dorian was coming up the coast for like nine days and could knock out power. Yep. Right, while people are like out buying massive things of bottles of water. What what was the host saying in response? 
Well, normally he's probably supposed to like hear them out and then maybe offer some kind of constructive but rational counterpoint. But he was just like, well, no, no. <laughs> that's so good. He was just like, well, just I dismissed that's, it. Like, that's not you, really how this you, works. You understand that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> that's kind of like, what he I don't said. Need to tell you. That's this. what he kind of said. He's yeah. like, well, I mean, we can talk about that, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> hey, I'm open to having a blue sky conversation with you, but like. <laughs> We both just need to realize what's going to happen. But how quickly happen. people become so entitled. Like, their power... Like, you knew the power was going to go out. You mm-hmm. should have been prepared. Right. You should have, like, found another place to stash the $2,000 worth of lobster you were keeping in your fridge. Right. This was not the weekend to have $2,000 worth of lobster in your fridge. No, it wasn't. Although, I didn't lose any food. I ate the yogurt two days later. Did you? Yes. Yeah. You're, you're, maybe this is why your stomach's always bothering you. No. If <laughs> you're it, eating spoiled food. If anything, I have a stronger stomach than you. This is something I remember about, about living with you. Uh-huh. You, you were very, very particular about food that's been in the fridge for any amount of time at all, mm-hmm. which is to say cooked chicken cooked yesterday has been in the fridge for 24 hours. And you're like, uh, do you think this is still good? No, it, it wasn't 24 hours. It was probably more like 72 hours. You're still way in the clear at 72 hours with cooked chicken. Like a like a cooked chicken at superstore that I can't say when it was actually cooked. It was cooked that day. Can't you smell it when you go in? That three days ago. Right. Yeah, but still, yeah. it's three days old. That's true. In my family, we call that a divorce chicken. Why is that? Because it's what you get because you got divorced. Oh my god, we get those so often. <laughs> yeah, well, us too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, in fact, we got one. A divorce chicken. The day of the of the hurricane was Saturday. Mm-hmm. Of course, all the grocery stores were mayhem on Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Weirdly, Saturday, they were fine. Oh, Saturday morning, you could walk in there. and We like... went into Costco. I've never seen Costco so quiet. Really? Yeah. We got yeah. all kinds of like last minute essentials, including a divorce chicken. I'm going to do that from now on. I mean, depending on if we know the storm's not coming till later in the day. Right. I'm going that day. When you say from now on, do you mean in 13 years when we have another, another category hurt. too? Yeah, yeah. No, it was... it'll probably be expedited because of global changes. Oh, I have heard about the global changes <laughs> now that you <laughs> mention it. I'm not going to say exactly what kind of changes they are, but they're going to be global. Look, we go through changes. Mm-hmm. They keep falling. Is that David Bowie? No. Uh, that's no. Changes. No, Changes Keep Falling is a uh, movie that I was introduced to in grade five to describe uh, puberty. Oh, the name of the movie was Changes Keep Falling. Yeah. Changes keep falling like the sunshine and the rain. Who knows if I'll ever be the same. It was a song. (laughs) That sounds so dooming. Yeah, I know. Who knows if I'll ever be the same. They would never. You won't be. They would. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They would never make that movie today because the lyrics are too intense. Yeah, it's really haunting. Like you're going to scare kids out of It'd be like, I'm going to change, but don't worry. Like it would be that kind of vibe. Yeah, we're very kid glovey now. Yeah. Where do you stand on the we treat kids too kindly nowadays? Homework bans are happening everywhere. Whoa. Like whole curriculums are having to wipe out homework because we can't count on kids to complete a certain amount of work without a professional educator present yeah. in the home. Plus, we work them to the to the very bone while they're at school between eight and three o'clock. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's too much. Yeah. I think this is bring back homework. This is where I put my foot down. Okay. Yeah, we got to be harder on these kids. I don't remember doing a lot of homework in my entire goddamn life. No. And it's not to say that I neglected work. I always did my work, but it just seems to me that for twelve years, my parents were like, "What do you have for homework?" And I was always like, "Nothing." But no one really has memories of homework. 
<laughs> like you're not like, oh, I remember this one time I went home and I did homework. But I do remember not having homework is what I'm saying. You do. You remember the freedom of Yeah. Because I remember school. thinking that was suspicious, but I was being honest. Like, no, I'm not hiding my homework. I just don't have any. And I haven't for five years. <laughs> and I probably won't for another two years. Yeah. And then I'll graduate. That's how it was such an easy transition out of out of not having homework anymore. Were you like an honor roll student? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, for junior high, I was like top dog. I was the best student, which came perfectly naturally. Okay. Uh, and then in high school, a weird thing happened where I had a bad math teacher, uh, and then I kind of fell behind, and then I had to take math 11 a second time, and that just kind of shook my whole confidence. Right. Still, I didn't have to try that hard. Yeah. And I would, I would venture to say it was a big part of my downfall in university is I didn't know how to work hard academically. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, so based on that logic, kids should be getting homework. Yeah. If you're saying, you know, you got to teach them to work hard. Kids should class. be afraid of failing. The thing about homework is that at most teacher went around and like gave you a red check mark to see that you did it. It was never actually checked to see if it was done. Right. Uh, you didn't have to do like, it well. What about like essays and stuff? Didn't you have to do those? Or maybe you just didn't consider these things work. I don't know. Like we, I, I get, again, maybe one obligatory term paper in a couple of classes but for the most part no my teachers were just they were just putting in time oh my god no i had some really good teachers but yeah yeah not not heavy homework major projects i guess sure huh i want to go back i want to go back and see what it was like yeah do you no not actually High walk school. through a metal detector every day <laughs> I, we didn't have metal detectors at the time no but they probably do now they probably do now you grew up in Coal Harbor, for Christ's sake. I know. I know you didn't go to Coal Harbor High. No. But we were Coal Harbor High adjacent. Yeah. Was uh, there a rivalry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was. Okay. There was a, a kind of a healthy rivalry, I think, between like all of the schools. Specifically, yeah, Prince Andrew and Dartmouth High were, were rivals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's irrelevant. Who cares? Who yeah. cares? <laughs> I, I read the piece about, uh, about what's her name, about uh, Caroline Calloway. Did you hear about this? No, this who's is, this? This has been this fascinating editorial that's gone around for the last 24 hours. It's on the cut. And she's she's essentially an, an influencer on Instagram in the truest sense of the term. She's got 800,000 followers. She's built her following, uh, her lifestyle brand, essentially since the, the inception of Instagram in like 2012, 2013. And so this piece came out yesterday in the cut Written by her one-time best friend and collaborator slash ghostwriter. And so what essentially the premise is, is that Caroline Calloway is the fire festival of people. Oh, and so everything about her personal brand is fake. And, and, and the piece itself is kind of catty in that way, which is like, it's just like, oh, this is person is, is very vapid, but... It's just a good read. It's well written. Okay. And so uh, the the great shocker of the piece, and it's long, is that uh, she didn't accidentally become famous on Instagram because she's like a cute person with mm. uh, an interesting life and a, and a flair for the right filter. She bought like 50,000 followers oh, and it grew from there. And then she got a book deal. And that's essentially where this person becomes... Uh, a significant cog in her life and someone to utilize. She got a book deal, which was to expound upon the lifestyle that she presented in her Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like tell your, 
fascinating story. Clearly, you're an interesting person. And so she hired her like gal pal from class who was like a plain Jane, I think, who was looking for acceptance from a cool girl. Right. Uh, and she she uh, hired her to ghostwrite the book. And then she bailed on the book. And, and this whole person's like young adult life from like 20 to 24 was built around uh, helping to cultivate the brand for this person who's fake and a terrible friend. Wow. And and then uh, it's really interesting to watch in real time Caroline Calloway react to the viralism of the blog on her Instagram page and kind of shake it off, but also be like very diplomatic. And it's just been fascinating to me. I've been reading the same book for like a month and not a page of this book has been compelling as, <laughs> as the story of Caroline <laughs> Calloway. story. Yeah. Yeah. It's Well, it's funny because in a certain way, yeah, I know that she wasn't famous before. She the whole idea is that the Instagram page made her famous. But at the same time, people need to realize that there are teams working around every celebrity that they may follow. But that's the that's good lesson. The is is that in many cases, if you just like a scrappy little someone trying to make it right. in the most honest way here that's in 2019, right. you might not. And it's not because you're not as good or you're worthless. It's all just a ruse. Yeah. And and you could also say fake it till you make it and, and there's no harm in that. But like to compare her more closely to Fire Festival, she's like charging $165 a head to come to her like lifestyle seminar and she's mm -hmm. selling t-shirts and right. basically she's trying to get out of the hole for her book advance, which she had to return. All of this stuff just makes me seem like some just makes me think about how like people are really underrating just being a contributing member of society. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Like I, like I just started thinking about that the other day. Like the people that just go through their day and come home, like, all of them secretly kind of want to be famous and rich and stuff, yep. but you know what? There's not everyone's going to be a famous person. Well, like you take a poll, the number one, and this is statistical. I can't give you the exact numbers, but like the number one dream job mm -hmm. for Generation Z, are they in high school right now? Um, yeah. Uh, Thereabouts. Z? Let's say. Sure. It's not okay. millennials. Uh, is YouTube personality. Is, right is youtube star yeah and that's fine because it's okay we, everybody has dreams like you said um but a previous generation previous to ours even there was like a lot of not so much honor just like expectation in put your head down do the work come home be with your family right and i kind of there's a part of me that has that like there's a part of me that says do what you love but there's also a part of me that's like okay at, at the end of the day you should be able to clock out and not think about it anymore and just yeah. and and I don't know if that is a philosophy that's common among mm. the I want to be famous generation. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think, I think, but at the same time, if they've got the passion to like continually do something, yeah. I think that's where it gets sad is someone's like, I want to be a millionaire, but like, I'll do, I'll try this thing for like three hours and then I'm, I'm kind of checking out on it yeah the goal is to be rich and famous and it's great if you want to make stuff right sure that's yeah fine. i think that's the thing if you want to be like an innovator creator uh you know yeah highlight your creativity do different things and there's also something to be said for the value of a personal brand like yeah. yes it is vapid if you're just making money for posting instagram photos mm -hmm. somehow some way i don't even know how the metrics work on that because, like I said, you fake it till you make it and then get paid however which way. But you do have to be conscious of the message that's sending. Yeah. How, especially if it's a false message. Right. 
Right. And it seems like this girl was not too tied to her message. No, this girl is an utter narcissist. That's what makes it a good read. Oh, it's like, and, gotcha. and, and also, it would be catty if everyone doesn't know someone like this. Maybe mm-hmm. on a smaller scale than Caroline Calloway. But like everybody knows somebody who's just like, take this photo of me so I can put it on Instagram. Right. And that's what Instagram is in its essence. Cultivate a fake persona. It's true. Or an extra real persona. It's not it's not totally wrong, but it's it's a heavily filtered, so to speak, yeah. depiction of what your life is. Yeah. And that that causes depression in people. Because you're yeah. like, oh my life isn't like that, because you know about all the wrinkles in your own life. That's right. That's right. And then on the other side you have the people that are the oversharers that are like depression affects every one of us every day. Yeah. Never forget that people are depressed. Okay? Right. I know. And you're like, okay, well, you're leaning super heavy on the real side, too. Like, right. And didn't you just upload a 300-word Facebook status like two weeks ago? Yeah. Like, right. you get one of those a year, tops. Yeah. You get one a year. Right. One one big bear my soul on Facebook a right. year. You also, we need to stop having the and go <laughs> Facebook oh, status. Oh, God. Uh, dear Facebook friends. Chinese food places in Halifax and go stop relying so much on us. (laughs) That's right. Go live your life. Yeah. Dear hive mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. So now you're, you're aware because you know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Go experience the world. Seriously. (laughs) What a way we started tonight. I know. (laughs) We really existential. Not entertainment based really at all. Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey are going to do an office podcast together saw that it's called office ladies and they're going to break down an episode a week oh cool and discuss about like uh tell stories from behind the scenes and probably have guests who are other cast members definitely i'm into that honestly i think it's really smart of them i think like clearly the 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 analytics are there your audience is implicit they're both in a position to do this like i think they're both like moms and they're like yeah let's Get something else on the go here. Not acting a ton. Angela Kinsey has a cooking show on YouTube. So she's already kind of part right. of this like like personal media thing. Yeah. They both have probably lots of money. Jenna yeah. Fisher especially. Yep. Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? She was. She had a, a moment where she was in like all the Judd Apatow movies. Like she was in like Blades of Glory and Dewey Cox. Can and, you name a third? Uh, Blades of Glory. Hmm. <laughs> and Dewey Cox. But that's like... And she was in a movie with, was she in a Noah Baumbach movie? Was she in something, something with Ben Stiller? Anyway, she was in something last year. But other than that, you don't see her around a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Anyway, the audience is there. Clearly, young people will listen to that. Um, Grumble, grumble, grumble. Righteous (laughs) Gemstones got renewed for season two. Are you watching that? No, I haven't followed up on it, but. I will. Aren't you curious about what happens in the parking lot after cut? I'm so curious. (laughs) Actually, that set us on a path to just start watching, like, This is the End was on TV, and we started watching that, and then we started watching Pineapple Express, and then we watched, we finished all these movies, and then we watched Superbad during the storm. Wow. I watched Pineapple Express a couple of months ago for the first time. I'd never seen it. It's pretty funny, like, for what it is. It's insane. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Very weird. Extremely violent, too. I, I think that, like, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg don't... It's not highlighted often enough how incredibly violent their sensibility is. Yeah. They're obviously very comedic, but everything they do is gory. As a, this is the end is gory. It is. You're right. It was weird because it was playing on much music like after 11 o'clock and none of it was censored. 
Oh, okay. Like, what's the rule on that? Like, the CRTC rule after 10.30, anyone's... I, I don't know. You can just go for it? I'm, I'd be surprised if it's as early as 10.30. It was around then. But I don't know. Maybe Canada is a little bit loosey-goosier. Like, I've talked a lot about how I've been watching Shit's Creek. Yeah. They basically get, like, one F-bomb an episode. No way. Yeah, and they use it well. Through Netflix. But they... No, not Netflix, because it's, like, a CBC production, right? Oh, yeah. And okay. then it, it... And in the States, it's on Pop TV, which I guess you can probably curse on that too. But they get one F word and they essentially don't curse at all otherwise. I saw on Reddit that like season five is coming out October 12th on Netflix. Or is that like, that's already been on First of all, CBC. that's American Netflix. Gotcha. Presumably it'll be on Canadian Netflix eventually anyway. I finished. I, I had to watch season five on CBC Gem. Right. Which is CBC's app. Um, yes. The, the most recently aired season is coming to streaming services soon, I guess. Gotcha. But there is one more season which they have finished filming. Cool. And that starts to air in January, I think. I like Phenomenal it. show. Yeah. So great. Lovely, lovely show. Uh, Haley Steinfeld. You know Haley Steinfeld? Uh, no. What's her deal? I think she, I think her first breakout role was in the the the, the True Grit remake. Okay. With oh, Jeff, yeah. what's his name? Right. I think she was a kid in that. And she was in The Edge of 17, which was like a good coming of age story. Yeah. Um, she's a good actor. Oh, she's in the Pitch Perfect movies. Okay, anyway, so she's yes. she's being eyed. I think it's probably a foregone conclusion. She's going to star in the Hawkeye TV series at uh, Disney Plus. Okay. So uh, in, I guess it's Endgame, right? The most recent one. Yeah. It's clear that Hawkeye is like training his young daughter to be proficient with a bow. Right. And we know there's going to be a Hawkeye series. And so it's going to be, I guess, about Hawkeye handing down the ranks to his daughter who I guess is going to be a little bit older in the series, as it turns out. Haley Steinfeld. Cool. Which, for some reason, I, I seem to know without knowing. Like, I saw the headline come in, and I was like, oh, obviously. Really? You thought that was a clear choice? But I hadn't thought about it. It's not like I'd spent any time going, this is my prediction, and then I was right. I just saw it come out, and I was like, well, yeah, that's that's it, the most obvious choice. I feel like she's kind of a... She's in the Pitch Perfect movies? I gotta I gotta go back. She's in the second Pitch Perfect movie, oh, gotcha. and probably the third one, and probably the the fourth through ninth. Okay. Well, that's good. More Any more Marvel news? No Marvel news. I mean, ever since Spider-Man, everything's been kind of quiet. Right. There's been lots of Star Wars news. Right. Um, but again, not in a couple of weeks. There's actually not a lot of uh, entertainment news in general, considering it's been a couple of weeks. I wanted to talk to you about Succession. Because we did a podcast about Succession like more than a year ago yeah. when the first season aired. Have you, f and it's easy to, to be swayed by the ringer in general. Yeah, they are all over. They exactly. were in the first season. But have you found that in the airing of the second season, Succession has started to take a place as maybe the next great show? Yes, and I, I definitely have. I like, haven't watched it. I, I'm inclined to only because it seems to me that culturally people are ready for Succession to be the next huge show right yeah i totally agree I, I was reading so much about it today just how much it was taken off i watched the first season i haven't got into the second season really at all i think i watched like the first half of the second season or the first half of the first show okay but i'm gonna going to finish it I so just you watched the first it season and it was good yeah it's so interesting to me like when and I'm I'm here for the Lord of the Rings Amazon Prime TV series, yep. but it just seemed to everyone, and I think justifiably, that the motivation behind that was, well, Game of Thrones is ending, we want to have the next big show. And it seems like 
you can be smart enough working in television to know that it wasn't the fact that there were dragons in Game of Thrones that people loved Game That's of right. Thrones. It just happened to be Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones was good. And for what it wasn't like the it wasn't the setting of Game of Thrones that sold Game of Thrones. It was Game of Thrones. Right. So doing another medieval dragon drama is not the recipe. However good the Lord no. of the Rings TV series might be, it could be any old thing. It could be a high drama about a rich family. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's, yeah, you're saying that's where we're at right now. Or is it is it because there are no good dragon shows that people are like, well, we need to watch something. This is on HBO. It's got to be good. I don't know if there's any shortage of good dragon shows. Is there? Like, it seems like there's lots of... Yeah, they, like like Carnival Row, which we can talk about a little that's bit right. more late. It's not exactly Game of Thrones, but like... It, ex- it exists in part because Game of Thrones was so successful. It, yes. Definitely Game of Thrones helps that show get greenlit. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I think it's it's just good because, you know, it's an Adam McKay vehicle. And there... What are, is? Uh, succession. Is it really? Yeah. No friggin' way. Yeah. Makes sense. That kind of works. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Although it's not nearly as comedic as everything Adam McKay does. Yes, you're right. It's and yet I can still see it somehow. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what is. I don't know if he wrote any of the episodes, or if he's a producer, or a producer and consultant, or. But yeah, like you remember when I know you do when Twilight was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. And then came like four or five other vampire things. Like yeah. so quickly, mm-hmm. the the idea was well, it must be vampires, and to an extent, it was. Yeah. Uh, and then the same thing happened with, with Hunger Games. Now, that's um, adolescent influence. Right. Um, you made a funny face. I mean, like, this, like, like divergent. And, right. Sure. Like, it was a post-apocalyptic, yeah. heroic right. kid with I a weapon. Right. I what you're saying. Um, and kid with a weapon. Kid with a weapon. I don't know where I was going with that, except to say I think it can be anything at all. And apparently, it's succession. And I only bring that up because it's an observation I've made, and I'd like it on the record now that I said it. So that in four years, when everyone's like, oh my God, Succession, you don't watch Succession, I will have said it after only like 11 episodes that that was the next big thing. And I've only ever seen one of them, but I should go back. Right. What yeah. is it? What is so addictive about it? Um, I think it, it's the whole idea of, it's in the same way that Game of Thrones, there are bad people doing good things and good people doing bad things. And you're not really sure who is good and bad, but it all takes place in kind of a, like a highly comedic family drama. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like everyone's kind of fucked up and no one's successful except for the father and all these like rich spoiled kids. It's not are... based on a true story, is it? No. Cause it seems like we've done a couple of those shows too. Right. Where it's based on a true story. I know we did a podcast right around when Succession came out that was also about a rich family. I forget what it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Shit's Creek, was it? No, that's nothing like Succession. Okay. <laughs> like truly nothing like Succession. <laughs> Maybe the furthest thing away from it. You know what's a weird thing? And this kind of ties in. Uh, you know how when Stranger Things first came out, like the first season, the easiest comparisons to make were like Steven Spielberg movies yeah. and Stephen King books? Yeah. Now Stephen King has written a new book, and I forget what it's called, but he's got a new book out that's about like paranormally able kids okay. riding around on their bikes in the woods. And it's so full circle that Stephen King seems to be writing a book in the vein of Stranger Things after Stranger Things was so heavily influenced by Stephen King. Right. 
Yeah, that is weird. And you could lift Stranger Things right out of the metaphor and just say Stephen King invented this ilk, but it feels pertinent that Stranger Things is such a big deal. And for that reason, I feel compelled to read Stephen King's new book. Did I tell you my take on uh, Eleven and how like there's so much inconsistency with her character where it'll be like, Mike, I'm your girlfriend, so we need to go to the mall. And then other times it'll be like, friendship? Oh, yeah. What is friendship? This is entirely true. By season three, you'd think that she'd have learned how to use verbs. Yeah, yeah. There are times they're like, running, (laughs) hiking. (laughs) What is hike? (laughs) Right, friends don't lie. She still leans on friends don't lie. right. That's true. Although, you know what? Like, if you were in a lab until you were... 10 or 11 years old. You'll struggle with something. Who's to say what your language skills would be? That's true. That's true. And that's a crutch of theirs. Right. They're like, you know what? (laughs) No one's going to call us out on the language, but here I am. Right. We'll make her verbally inept when it suits the story. (laughs) She'll become verbose with with a purpose. Right. But but... when she drops a line like, I dump your ass. Yeah. Yeah. I dump your ass. Dump your ass. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> now, speaking of her specifically, Millie Bobby Brown, 16 years old, is going to write, produce, and direct a feature film for Netflix. It's oh. called A Time Lost, and I don't know anything about it. I don't know where the title comes from. God, how brutal would that be, being like a full-grown man? I think man. it's a huge mistake. <laughs> be acting on that, that's that, or worse, like being a crew member. And having this like 15 year old British girl be like, yeah. okay, so you're not quite saying it right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, no disrespect to her, she's obviously a good artist. I just think it's a 15 year old director in general. It's stupid. It's, it, that's a stupid idea. A that's a call. terrible idea. It's, you're just not emotionally equipped to manage that large of a scale. Yeah. And I don't know if she's going to like have her name on it. And actually there's someone else really doing all the heavy lifting. And just, they want to say that it's Millie Bobby Brown <laughs> for her brand. Yeah. They're going to start a Millie Bobby Brown joint. Right. I, that's what I, that's what I kind of <laughs> so think good. is happening. But like, it, and there's just so much time for that. And I can't imagine having made a feature film with someone else's multi-millions at 15 or 16 years old and being at all at peace with that at 28 or at 21 for that matter. Right. And we'll hear about it in the E true Hollywood story later on. Like if it's any good at all, I'm going to have a hard time accepting that, that she did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I'm going to lose a lot of respect for directors. (laughs) And I don't, I realize this sounds like I'm ragging on Millie Bobby Brown. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's possible for her to be able to, she can't manage that kind of responsibility. Right. Is it like a short? No, it's a feature film. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be rough. That's ridiculous. It's got to be rough. It's ridiculous. Is she like doing the score? <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she's there like conducting a symphony like John Williams style. Like Clint Eastwood like writes songs for his movies. Directs Does he them do and that? Writes them. Yeah, he wrote the theme song for um, Gran Torino. I know that much. No way. Yeah. He's like, like, I'm just an old guy sitting on my porch. Kind of. It's got like a real like old Western country kind of vibe to it. Like gritty, grimy voice. He sings it and everything, man. Like Johnny Cash styles? Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's correct. (laughs) All right. I'm going to start listening to it when I like run or something. (laughs) Yeah. Put on on the Gran Torino soundtrack when you go for a run. (laughs) Get a good sweat on. Hey, what do you listen to? Uh, Gran Torino soundtrack. (laughs) 
oh, actually, it uh, it finished, and now I'm listening to the uh, American Sniper soundtrack. <laughs> it's just a bunch of Clint Eastwoods. <laughs> <laughs> Million Dollar like, Baby is next. Pew Pew on the American oh Sniper. Oh my God. Pew Pew <laughs> is the lead single from the soundtrack of American Sniper. <laughs> and here's the top 40 head from Clint Eastwood. Pew Pew. Pew Pew. pew parentheses. Parentheses Kyle's song. Parentheses remastered featuring Jay Z. <laughs> I'm the American Sniper. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, okay, I want to talk about The Goldfinch because The Goldfinch has premiered at Toronto International Film Festival as of this week. It okay. hits our theaters here on Friday. Okay. I was really psyched about The Goldfinch. The trailer is so good. Have you read this book? I tried to read the book and I lost interest and I'm, I'm comforted by the fact that I'm not the only one who found it to be a bit of a slog. Okay. But what happened with The Goldfinch was that I, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning book mm-hmm. by Donna Tart. I, I heard what the book was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, that sounds great. And then I started reading it and everything I had heard about what the book was about happened in like the first 30 pages. Right. And then it was just kind of like very thinky. Right. Uh, and so I just moved on to other things in my life, but I was like, oh, the movie's coming out. I'll catch the movie. It's got a great cast. And the movie is bombing critically. Oh like, no. Like not, not like in the fifties, it's in the early twenties on Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes. And so like once upon a time, the idea was clearly for this to be an Oscar contender. Yes. Pulitzer Prize winning you piece re- of literature. You really got that vibe when you watched the trailer. Right. It's going to be an important thing. And I think, I think the, the conclusion to draw is that some works of literature just don't translate well. They just don't adapt well into film. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's what happened here, but it's a mess. I saw somebody say that it's um, the longest movie of the year. Don't <laughs> fact check me on that. It just is. Really? Which is like, who knows about the, the minute count, but right. it's a, it's a it brutal haul. It feels just long. Yeah. And so I'm disappointed. And now I find myself at this, at this place where like, once upon a time, I never in a million years would have cared what the critics said. I would have got on, gone on my own and made my own conclusion. Mm-hmm. But no matter how excited for something you are like, do you at a certain point, if it was in the sixties, I'd definitely be there on Friday or Saturday. Yeah. But in the twenties, I'm interested to see what movie, like, is there a movie that we've seen in the last five years that we didn't know the rotten tomato score, watched it, loved it, and then looked it up and we're like, Oh wow, that's really low. Really low. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I don't know that there is. I'd need some time to think about that and look around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes movies get worse scores than I think they deserve. Well, comedies famously, but but beyond that, is there like I don't know, maybe an action movie or something? I and weirdly, I put less stock in Rotten Tomatoes than I ever used to. It seems like every other movie comes out is in like the high nineties now. Well, and it just seems like it's part of the press if, for it. If you look at the top one hundred, it's kind of ridiculous. Like it's like number three, Toy Story three, right? Number four, it's not like it's not like jaws or nope. like return of the jedi or anything it's like um something within the last 10 years ladybird it's like yeah, exactly yeah, remember when ladybird Lady, Lady was like Bird's the like highest like, rated movie of all time yes. ladybird's great but the highest rated movie it's, of all it's time it's like top five i'm like shouldn't shouldn't like uh like like citizen kane be on here yeah and, you'd think i don't know i have to think about that like i don't I, I, I don't know. I There must be a movie that I think was better than it critically got credit for. Well, but. like, where's Godfather Part 2 in the in the Rotten Tomatoes verse? 
Because I don't think it's at like 99%. I don't know like how they shit. compile that. Like when, when they, because you can look up Godfather Part 2, which came out in the 70s or whatever. Yeah. You can look that up on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if they pull a bunch of like 40-year-old reviews and then register <laughs> a, a score. Or do they just get a bunch of new bloggers to be like, review this movie. And by the way, you're going to be the heel. You got right. to be the one who says something nasty about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have the take that uh, all the president's men was garbage. Do you think, I know this is definitely the case, but nobody talks about it. Do you think that there's like a conspiracy that goes right to the top with movie critics? Do you think like anybody gets paid off to write a, a favorable review? Yeah, I think so. Or a scathing review? It must happen, right? It, it probably does happen. I think, I think it might be like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to find something to compare it to, but you might just have like more of an ax to grind and you'll be more likely to grind it against certain other people in Hollywood or there right. might be some connection. And it's like, maybe you're just going in with that bias. Oh, that's a huge so thing. You, so you'll like it less. Like, you know, these reviewers are not unaffected by, they're, they're not watching everything completely objectively. And they might've had a bad salad that lunchtime. Totally. People often know whether or not they want to like a movie. I, I right. definitely think that was uh, a huge factor in, in, Star Wars The Last Jedi. I also think like other public opinion can have a huge sure. influence on, even if you're supposed to be like this full of integrity journalist. Yeah. I think that movies are pretty... I used to be one of those people who's like, no, art is not subjective. There is good and there is bad. Right. But I don't believe that anymore. That's ridiculous. Now, Yeah. I, I. It's just one of those weird things to judge. Sean Penn had a good discussion on this i haven't listened to that yet i okay. feel i feel weird about it because he's the worst sean penn yeah you're right he seemed relatively normal and apparently he those bob honey books are atrocious i can imagine that. yeah like the, and i think that was the only reason bill simmons was able to have him on was because he was releasing a new one right and you're right he probably is the worst but um he just said you know when bill simmons said something about him not taking the the Oscars that he won seriously. And he's like, well, it's not that I don't take it seriously. It's just that you don't necessarily see the best of the best. Like I think Robert De Niro winning for raging bull was a unanimous decision. And it was like a triumph and a celebration. Right. But you know, you see these, like he called them like made for TV movies or like, you know, someone getting a, a, a saccharine kind of nomination and a win that you know, is almost powered by the media. He's like, that's what takes all of the the celebration out. Like, that's why you shouldn't take. Yeah, we saw a lot of that stuff. last year in the Oscars, and we had the opportunity to talk about it a lot with Green Book, which was it was fine, right. but it wasn't it wasn't a memorable movie. Certainly, The Shape of Water the year before, Best Picture, really, right? Yeah, and uh, Black Panther was great. I I know I made the case a lot that Black Panther's cultural importance. Mm -hmm. puts it in that running but again like best picture of all time uh glenn close being nominated for best actress for a movie that you can't even tell me the name of looking no, at me i sure can it's called the wife it was terrible nobody saw it right i saw it <laughs> because i wanted to but not because it was it was worth my time right um i think the best example of what i think you're describing what sean penn is describing is is popular music like so often these artists who have the top songs on the radio are way better than their big hit song indicates. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anybody's going to tell you Ariana Grande isn't a good singer, but like, I'm sure if we gave her a Whitney Houston song, we'd all be like, whoa. 
She did it, it. It took us a long time to come around to Miley Cyrus, but now most people have actually heard it, and they're right. like, oh, she's good. You listen to a couple of like Taylor Swift album cuts mm-hmm. with an open mind, not wanting to dislike it, sure, and you're going to go, whoa, that is so much better than that uh, that song I heard on the radio. Right. And so... Justin Bieber too. Like, if you're in a room with these people, if you go to a party with these people, you might be like, "I misjudged how enormously talented that person who's being underutilized in popular culture, right. in fact, is." Or you might even just find their takes on music interesting. Like, they might go in and listen to like a Brian Eno album or something, and yeah. be like, "Yeah, I like the way that sounds. Like, let's use that as a sample." And I used to think this is another thing I've said on the podcast before. I used to think Chuck Lorre. Yeah was probably as good of an artist as he is a businessman that he was just he was just capable of uh compartmentalizing what he knew he needed to do right to have a comfortable life yeah and he did it and you can't really fault a guy for making the big bang theory into and a half men and mom and whatever else he made sure if it made him a billionaire which it might have for all i know right. and i used to think probably chuck Lorre has a play in the top drawer of his desk that has never been staged and is truly a masterpiece and yeah, is right. deeply hilarious and right. cutting. But then I saw the Michael Douglas show that he put out last year. Right. The Kaminsky method. Kaminsky method. And yeah. I was like, Oh, that was the play I was that talking was, about. Yeah. And it wasn't that good. <laughs> it's just okay. No. Is he doing that show that, uh, have you seen any previews for this Bob loves Abishola? No. So it's like the dude who played Mike from Mike and Molly. Oh, I did see the premise yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. The premise, the premise is just a uh, white fat guy is married to a black woman, right? That's clearly what the premise. Well, of the show yeah, is. it's like it's like a Ugandan woman. Okay. Yeah. All right, and so it's another culture clash. Yes. TV show. One hundred percent. It feels like a Chuck Lorre. Do you have any reason to believe it is, or just no? I actually like have one? no idea. It just kind of reminded me okay. when you mentioned Chuck Lorre. So I want to go through a couple of movies since we're talking about award season and prestige. Okay. And were you done talking about Sean Penn? Did, did any? No, I think I to... think I was just talking about the the award season and yeah. Okay, so this is a nice transition because we just talked about um, the Goldfinch, which I will still see, but probably with less urgency than I otherwise m- might have. So I'm going to okay. rattle off a bunch of movie titles, some of which you'll definitely have heard of, mm. others maybe not so much, or you might need a little bell ringing. I feel like I'm going to need a lot of bell ringing. Could be, um, but we're going to hear about these movies a lot in, in the coming months because these are the ones that are like kind of laying the groundwork for being a part of this big discussion for four months from now. Cool. Uh, and so I want you to tell me uh, with how much urgency you're um, eager to see this. Like, are you going to go opening night? Are you, you going to see it eventually? Or are you never going to see that at all? I'm not interested. Leave me alone. Right. Uh, <laughs> little Little Women. I'm not going to see it. Okay. Uh, Joker. I'll see that. Like immediately, you're you're keen on that. Uh, yeah, I'll go see that in theaters. Because there's a there's a there's a weird there's a weird stink on this movie already. You can already tell this movie is going to be talked about so much that it's going to talk itself out of Oscars. I think. Mm, yeah. Like they're already like, it's as if it's interesting that a guy playing the Joker could get nominated for an Academy Award. It wouldn't even be the first Joker movie to do right. that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, it just feels like like the Joker meets Taxi Driver. It just feels like Taxi Driver. Sure. And and it's it's being co-opted by like incel but, communities but and then so many people need to need to know that most most people haven't seen Taxi Driver that are going to be going to see the Joker. I would say maybe like right 20 to 30% of people would have seen Taxi Driver. Yep. So it might just be a new 
like they won't realize how derivative it might be. I don't even care it if it's derivative. Sense. I'm yeah. sure it's a really good performance. Yeah. I just know that people, this is a movie where people are going to be determined to like it or dislike it. Yeah. Sure. I think there's going to be a whole lot And do you think you'll like it? I want to like it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that much. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. No, I'm so not familiar with this it. This is Taika Waititi's, um, uh, it's right. kind of a, um, I think it's a parody of like Nazi culture. I think it's like a kill Hitler movie. Okay. And it's getting very, very bad reviews, but it wanted to be something special. Sure. So no, not interested. Well, I don't know. That's so weird that I kind of want to see it, but. Knives Out did very well at TIFF this weekend. Knives Out. This is Ryan Johnson's Who Done It. It is oh. like in in the tradition of Agatha Christie. It's got like Daniel Craig. It's got a sweet cast. Okay. It's called Knives Out. And it is sweet name. Clearly like a violent romp of who killed the butler or whatever. Right. And it apparently is a blast. No way. Okay. Yep. I'm in for that. I'm into Knives Out. Downton Abbey, you're not gonna see that. You didn't watch the show. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would make sense if I didn't watch the show. Although we've tried. To find a, a place that that's streaming it, Netflix isn't doing it anymore. Oh, really? Uh, maybe Crave is or something. Then we'll maybe there's some kind of propriety with the yeah, movie coming out. I would say so. Yeah, I, I don't know how much you need to know about Downton Abbey to see this movie. I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, but you might be able to get away with it. Sure, it's a new story. It was always very serialized. They move on storyline to storyline pretty right. quickly. You just won't have any history with any of these characters. Right. It's the original Shonda Rhimes. I guess so. <laughs> Not actually. Um, uh, Just Mercy, which is Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. And it's based on a true story. Okay. Civil rights advocacy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I checked out so so hard on civil <laughs> sure rights did. advocacy. You sure did. It just seems like they're, like, it's, it's, like, prime Oscar bait, like, between World War II and civil rights. Right. There's, like, you'll, you'll get three or four of those every year right do you think Which, octavia I mean, spencer produces there's a lot this of movie? stories to be told but yeah yeah and it might be more exciting than some of the other ones that have been made a la green book uh marriage story which is a netflix movie it's noah bomback adam driver scarlett johansson and it is apparently a pretty bleak take on long-term relationships fine i believe it's a divorce movie as much as it's a marriage movie okay i guess the acting is really good cool Sure, I'll I'll watch that. It's on Netflix. It's pretty easy to right. Yep, and it's absolutely. got a it's got a good um it's a stacked kind of have you playbill. A, a quick aside: Have you watched The Spy yet? No, Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Cohen. Is it out? Yeah. Oh, and it's supposed to be a serious movie. I didn't realize it wasn't a comedy. Oh yeah, no, it's a serious. It's it, like, it is a movie, and it's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'll give that a watch this weekend. Give it a watch. Yeah, apparently he's quite good. He transitions well. Good. And I'm trying to think: like, have I ever seen him do anything seriously? I don't think so. I guess oh, maybe uh, like I guess kind of um, the uh, Todd. What is it? Huh? Sweeney Todd. That's not serious. He's in Sweeney Todd. Yeah, he's like he's like the competing uh, butcher oh. barbershop guy. Okay, but that's that's not serious. No, I suppose not. That's not to be taken serious. The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. I really want to see. What are your thoughts on the lighthouse? I'm I can't. So intrigued. I can't friggin' figure anything out about this movie. I'm so intrigued. I think it's essentially a story about a guy who goes in, um, and it's it's supposed to be like <laughs> but a, a guy goes in. Yeah, a guy goes in. It's one of those guy goes in movies. Oh, okay. A guy goes into a lighthouse. There's obligatory <laughs> yeah. guy goes in in every Oscar so, season. I think what it is is this 
guy's mind starts playing tricks on him. He thinks he's with someone else who's Willem Dafoe, but it's not actually. It's like him as an old man. Oh, I hadn't and thought of that. Just like it's like a head trippy kind of movie. And filmed here in Yarmouth. Filmed here in Yarmouth, and it's just the two of them. I think the whole time. Not positive. Oh, there that's cool. Could be some other characters, and it's filmed in black and white. The yeah. trailer seems so so crazy. Oh, it looks truly nuts. Yeah. But but I'm into that for sure. Yeah. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, I pr- I honestly probably won't see it in theaters. And then it will be it's one an eventual of those, watch for you. It'll be an eventual watch. And then I don't even know that I'll eventually watch it. Like really? unless someone else just says, we got to put this on. Let's watch it. I heard somebody call this movie, um, the cinematic equivalent to a hug. <laughs> sure. And I, I, I think I know what that means. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up at this movie opening weekend. Cause mm-hmm. we'll find ourselves bored enough. Right. And it's always safe to go to a Tom Hanks movie. I have no doubt he's good. I'm sure it's a good script. I think that it it's worth mentioning that he might not be the star of this movie. It could be Matthew Reese. It could be Matthew Reese. I like that. And I, I like him a lot. I It seems to me that they really want to push that this is a Tom Hanks vehicle. And I think he'll, he'll probably chase after the gold. Mm-hmm. But lest you think you're getting just uh, two hours of Tom Hanks on screen, I think that it is much... It's as much of a journey for the Matthew Reese character, if not more so. Right, because he's learning. And uses the already grounded Fred Rogers. I'm not sure he's going to have to do any growing in this movie. No, I don't think so. It seems like from what you see, he's very, he's already there. He's fully developed. Then we saw that story last year in the documentary. Right, which I didn't see yet. It's pretty good. Now, what about Hustlers? I don't know this one yet. Hustlers was out this weekend. Apparently, somehow, this is putting Jennifer Lopez in the best actress okay. um, run race. Okay. It's out this coming weekend? Yeah. It's based on a true story. It's about um, like nightclub exotic dancers who um, after the big market crash of like 2007 or whenever it was, mm-hmm. um, a lot of their clientele kind of dries up. Are we talking about like... And so they have We're to, talking about like... like strippers. Strippers. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of like rich guys stop coming to the club and right. they have to find other ways of making money. So they become um, thieves, I think. It's based on a true story, a, like a real crime ring. Okay. And Jennifer Lopez apparently is awesome in it. Nice. I believe that. Yeah. God, she's like 50, isn't she? She is 5-0. I know that because I Googled it this morning. Nice. Her and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. She's killing it. Yep. Killing yep. the game. Staying uh, hot. Dolomite is my name. This is Eddie Murphy. This is also Netflix. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. This is his comeback movie. Oh. So this, this is why he's back. So this is what's going to, you know, lead into him hosting SNL yep. and stuff. This is why you're seeing him on Comedians and Cars. This right. is This is why the comeback of Eddie Murphy. Dolomite is my name. Is this going to be like, does it seem like, have you seen a trailer? I don't know if I've seen a trailer. It looks like, it looks a little blaxploitation-y, I think, okay. but I don't know anything about it. It's not like, like. The clumps in the house or something. No, no. I, yeah. I think he's acting in it. Like, not dissimilarly from when he tried to win an Oscar for Dreamgirls. Right, right. He got a nod, didn't he? I don't know about that. No. Maybe. Barry Gordy? It wasn't Barry Gordy. Wasn't that who he was playing? Was he playing like, well, it wasn't a re- that wasn't a real story, Dreamgirls. Maybe he was playing like a like a Barry Gordy, Gordy type. Barry. <laughs> He's playing Gordon Barrel. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Ford versus Ferrari, which is Christian Bale and Matt Damon. 
Yeah. I, I want to go see it because it's them. Yeah. But I feel like if it was two actors that I did not know, I would have way less interest. Yeah. And is this just going to be like a Titans of Industry kind of movie? Yeah. Which we've probably seen elsewhere as well. You're yeah. right. The actors are so good. Right. That's kind of why you want to see them. Right. Any any Brad Pitt stuff coming up? Oh, at Astra. Are you going to watch that? I got to see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, I, I, I was going to say no, but you're right. And, and of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And the other one is Two Popes, which is a Netflix movie. And um, it's it's basically the story of the transition between Benedict and Francis. Huh. Very rarely are there two popes, right? Mm. Like well, one guy normally has to die, not abdicate. Right. You think there's just kind of a low five on the way when one was out and one was coming in and that's boom, 30 seconds. It's Maybe. just a short. Maybe that's what it is. I'm two popes. Yeah, it's just one guy going, you take it from here. All right, see you, bud. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Subbing out. <laughs> Peace in Italian, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I'll watch it because it's on Netflix. Okay. You want to talk about shows? Not sure I'll watch it. Not sure I'll watch it. Not so sure. Um. Yeah, let's talk about shows. Okay, it's my turn to go first. Cool. I'm going to recap the pilot episode of Pennyworth. Oh, shit. You didn't watch Pennyworth? I didn't watch Pennyworth. That's okay. I, 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 I wondered if maybe that would happen because I haven't seen you in a couple of days and yeah. I realized we never totally confirmed We kind it. of were like, and Pennyworth is also out. Yeah. yeah. So you haven't seen Pennyworth. I did not. So let me just give you my thoughts on it quickly. I can okay. give you a recap. Sure. Um, and uh, it's too bad because I have I have some good thoughts on it and I'll, I'll say off the top, it's not a bad watch. Okay. It's not a bad watch. I'll recap the, the first episode of Pennyworth. All right. Let's go in three, two, one, go. Albert Pennyworth is a post-war doorman at a nightclub. Uh, already, we're starting to see that there's a lot of seediness uh, in his British community. He meets a pretty girl who's, I believe, an exotic dancer. Uh, they kind of flash forward. They're having quite a whirlwind romance. Uh, his incredible um, physical, uh, uh, militaristic, and physical uh, acumen makes him a target by the mafia. And so they kidnap his girlfriend, and he has to pull off some amazing acrobatics to get her back it's not really the full story um i i left out the whole thomas wayne b plot okay and there's a part early on where young alfred is standing at the nightclub and this a yank goes in right okay american guy goes in and he's got a mustache and alfred holds the door for him and immediately i was like oh that's thomas wayne for sure right and then later on a guy calls him tommy and i'm like oh that's thomas wayne for sure. <laughs> definitely thomas that's, wayne. and then you find out later he's thomas wayne and he exposes that he's a financial forensics analyst mm -hmm. and essentially he uncovers this uh financial scam that's happening and so the mafia is trying to rub him out they're trying to get rid of him before he exposes to the press that all of this like uh, laundering is happening. And what was the reason for taking Alfred's wife? His girlfriend. His girlfriend. Because he was in really good shape and they were intimidated. I think everyone, I think everybody wants Alfred. I think. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and somehow it's known that Alfred knows Thomas Wayne, although the two of them are not friends. Like they just kind of, they take Alfred's girlfriend and they're like, okay, now go get us Thomas Wayne and you can have your girlfriend back. And then everyone's just kind of involved. Right. Um, the the girlfriend her name is Esme in the show the the actress who plays her I have it written down here her name is Emma Corrin okay she is uh, Diana in The Crown upcoming okay really good actor um, I don't know it's hard not to compare this show to Gotham which has now officially wrapped and Gotham was was so uh, proudly campy like it was dark mm -hmm. and, and 
gritty, but over time they were like really willing to own the fact that they were like a comic book show. And between that and Joker, which seems to be quite like neo-realistic. Right. This, I guess, falls somewhere in the middle. Gotcha. I don't... I. If you had to compare it to one show, what show would you compare it to? Um, I don't know, because it's like, it's it's deeply British. It's it, maybe not a show, but it kind of, if, because it's so British and it's like so early Elizabethan, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like Guy Ritchie's uh, Sherlock Holmes movies. Okay, right. Any like Sherlockianism to it? It's not a detective show. No. It's, a, it's about... It's about Alfred, who, by the way, and I don't know the name of the, the actor. He's okay, but okay. he is doing such a cheap Michael Caine. Oh, no. Which I dislike because though Michael Caine is, is beautiful in those Christopher Nolan Batman movies, he's not the definitive Alfred. He's not like default Alfred. No, His, who is default Alfred? Is there a default Alfred? No, there's yeah, not. Right. I, and I think maybe- it, it remains to be seen. Michael Caine's is the most multidimensional Alfred. Right. Uh, but- like that Alfred voice, that's not like how Alfred talks. I'm pretty sure Michael Caine was the first Cockney Alfred. Yes, definitely. And this Alfred is not the first badass Alfred. That was the Alfred in Gotham, yeah. who's also like really kind slick a with ninja. a gun. Right. Yeah, kind of a ninja. And I don't know why that's essential to make him good. Right. Like I think I also, and this kind of plays to your, I realize I'm all over the map here. Um, it's kind of plays to your justified frustration with prequels you know where this is going. Mm-hmm. And so like any love story they build between Alfred and Esme, I know is ultimately doomed. Right. Because he's not going to end up he's with not her. with Esme. She's either going to get killed or they're going to part because his life is too dangerous. Right. Probably the former. Yeah. Also, there's this like weird back and forth where he's like still working as a doorman and she's like, don't you have dreams? Like, don't you want to like do something more? And he's don't you like, like serve a rich family. That's was my frustration. Cause yeah. he says like, no, I'm going to make something of myself. We're not going to live in this little slop host for the rest of our lives. And I'm like, right. yeah, you're going to live in a manor, but it's not yours. <laughs> yeah. You're still literally opening the door for a wane and mansion some Yeah. In your eighties, you're going to yeah. look like that. <laughs> and so I kind of thought that was a little hollow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing to even put in the show. He doesn't need to be a badass. Like the, the, the nice thing about Alfred is that he is in over his head with with Bruce. Like he can't, he loves Bruce and he's like a father figure to Bruce, but he can't stop Bruce from being uh, this like renegade who like does somersaults and stuff. I, I think it's much better if he's like soft and, and, and a grandfather. Right. But I mean, I guess everybody has, has a, a history. Yeah. Couldn't it have just been like a weak guy who ends up beating master wayne and then maybe trains with master wayne who's also kind of a badass himself but then i guess he wouldn't die in the first place and this leads okay never mind i talked myself out of it i guess yeah and i don't know at one point we're gonna go to gotham city i guess Mm -hmm. it's not bad it's a it's a it's a pretty fun watch Mm -hmm. um it was a good script but like a couple of little things frustrated me the inherent problem with prequels yes. is really evident in this yep. and more than anything the cheap michael kane is like as soon as i heard it i was like come on cheap michael kane's rough come on yeah yeah but i do give it my ass you do i, oh, rec- okay. I, I recommend like you check it out it's give it's it a watch pretty fun all right i i will and I, i'm always I impressed will. when they do old england like yeah. the, the sets are really cool like totally like really smoky and industrial what was this on epics epics okay well that's concern yeah kind of <laughs> what is their flagship last, show 
epic show. What was their big win? I don't even know. I, I don't know that this is probably supposed to be it. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe it is. I'm okay. I, I'm okay with the Alfred Thomas Wayne friendship building, which I guess is going to happen. Mm. I think back to when I went to see Batman v Superman with my friend Duncan and they do a flashback to the alleyway scene and my friend Duncan leaned over to me and he so aptly said, do you think we're going to see the pearls fall? Yeah. And like, I'd never occurred to me how, how cliche that oh, was. Pearls fall on But like, yeah. but he's so, he was so right. I do not want to see the pearls fall in right. this show. Yeah. And we didn't yet. Right. <laughs> but I gave him my ass. Check it out. I said a lot of negative things about it, but it's fun. Okay. It's a fun good. watch. Let's watch. All right. Let's talk about, uh, I guess I'll put you on the clock. Hey, sure. Carnival Row. Yes. Starring Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne. When did she get uh, the right to be an actor? Well, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> so she was a um, uh, model first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's a she's a, like a runway model. Is she European? Yeah, she's British. She's British. Okay. Yeah, she's... Well, we'll save it. Recap the okay. first episode of Carnival Row in three, two, one, go. So the show begins with all of these fairies or fays on this island that they're trying to get out of... Uh, Kara Delevingne goes onto this ship. Uh, the ship ends up sinking and brings her back to the Berg. Uh, she makes it apparent that she's met a man before who is Orlando Bloom. She thinks Orlando Bloom's dead. She ends up working in servitude, as most of these fairies do, and then finds out he's actually alive. Um, she goes to visit him, and uh, he's investigating this murder, which is almost like a Jack the Ripper. Kind of. Oh, you did really good. Yeah, you nailed that. Okay, so and there's clearly some bad blood between them. Do, are they ex-lovers? Well, is yes, they, we so they are ex-lovers, and she thinks that he has died, and he knows that she thinks that, but hasn't went She's to She's a fairy, her. and he's a man. Yes. She has, I was going to say this before you started recapping, she has also quite the voice. Yes. It's okay. It's not bad. She does like a... An Irish accent. Yeah, I thought it was okay. It's it made okay. me wonder if she was actually Irish. She's not. But why? Why do they have that? <laughs> I don't know. Why did she really flex? Why did she commit to such a big undertaking for her new job? When she started wrestling that wildebeest right away, I just all I could picture was her in a complete green screen room, just like yeah. riding around acting on this like mechanical bull. And that kind of felt like the opening of Game of Thrones, like we mentioned before. Like yeah. the very first episode of Game of Thrones opens on like a misty forest in the White Walkers. And it shows like a, a like dead girl hanging from the trees. Right. And this shows like a dead like fairy on barbed wire that was like rigged up to prevent. So yeah, it had that similar kind of eerie vibe so that the fairies couldn't fly up and fly away. I was really surprised to learn that this is not based on any kind of source material. It really has the feeling of some kind of YA adaptation or yeah. like a video game adaptation. Sure. It's completely new IP, which is kind of cool. And also really builds that set design in a similar like old England kind of way. Yeah. Pretty effectively. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I was impressed with that. Um, I, I found it funny how they were kind of trying to make it a like, like, it was almost ripped from the headlines, but with like an immigration kind of vibe. Yeah. Like, oh, you, these fairies can't can't live. We've already got enough critch, they were calling. That was That's like the derogatory true. term for uh, fantastical creatures. It does feel like a very thinly veiled racism metaphor, That's doesn't a, it? That's exactly what it is, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought and about meanwhile, that. And meanwhile, he's like, you know, it's almost like uh, after the like emancipation some people were like hey i fought like side by side in the civil war with 
with, you know, black people. Right. And other people were like, well, they're, they're no friends of mine. Like they're not going to, you know, work around us and take our jobs, etc." Yeah. And so I guess he's going to stand up for her, her right to be a fairy. Well, I, th- I think he's first and foremost hunting this, this murderer. Of and you're right. It's very fairies. Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it actually ends up being a monster. They think that they're catching, right. they, they, I guess, potentially caught this guy who allegedly raped and almost killed one of these fairies with a hammer, but he ends up killing himself. And I think stuff keeps happening. It's interesting to have Orlando Bloom back for the first time in a very long time. He's looking good, but he's looking good, Mm -hmm. but he, I don't know if he's a good actor. (laughs) Um, Nothing against him. He like did a big press tour for this. He's like captain charming on, on Howard Stern last week. Oh no way. Uh, I, I obviously like some things he's been in, but I really do wonder if he could just like play a dad in succession. Like, Right, exactly. Play a dad in current day, like it just kind of feels like a slightly more stately Will Turner. Yeah, in this, right, totally. I felt like I'd seen him before, and I totally forgot that he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. I was only thinking of Legolas, which is okay. That's a good thing to remember. And yeah. s- certainly, he was a part of two very big franchises. Huge, that, like yeah. really good for him ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't done a whole lot since, except get engaged to Katy Perry. And I did not know that. Yeah, they're engaged. Whoa. Yep. Orlando and Perry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And Do I you like... think she'll change her name to Katie Orlando? Because <laughs> that's kind of a sweet name. <laughs> that's his first name. Oh, damn it. Katie Bloom? Katie Bloom. I don't think that's going to happen. Never mind. That's not cool. No. No, and I don't think that would happen anyway. She's no. <laughs> She's clearly making more money than him. <laughs> yeah, right. He's on this silly show. Orlando. Orlando Bloom. that's his real name. Yeah, why not? Okay. It's a very British-sounding name, Bloom. Did you ever meet a Bloom who wasn't British? No, I don't think I have. No, me neither. I don't think I've met a Bloom that is British either, though. Oh, okay. Looks like a very expensively made show. Yeah. I remember... It's an Amazon Prime show. Well, and The Boys was also expensively made. Like, a lot of people were really excited about how cinematic The Boys looked. I actually didn't think it looked that cinematic. No. Did you finish? I still have two left. Oh, you did. I, it's, it's another one of those shows that is just like, what are you guys seeing that I'm not seeing? The show You're is... You're just not into it. No. Not really. I'll finish it. But like none of these people are nice people. No. It's not telling me a story that I'm desperate to hear the end of. No. No. And it's just more superheroes. God damn it. Well, that's that's one of the big things too. That's everyone's like, oh, it's deconstructed the superheroes. No, it's not. I couldn't there's believe been corrupt superheroes before. I couldn't believe there's this show called Raising Dion, and it's actually got our boy Michael B. Jordan in it. But it's all about a lady discovering that her child has superpowers, and he plays like the father. In, oh, good lord! Like, I was like, how can there be another superhero show? Yeah, this is we're making we're making shows about superheroes, butlers for fuck's sakes, like... right? Yeah, I know. That's true. These are, yeah. I To be honest, I, I really hated Carnival Row, but I watched it like a week ago, assuming we'd do it on the podcast. And then I forgot that you said we couldn't do a podcast last week. Right. And then I really didn't want my hour and something to totally. have been in vain. So I was it, like, oh, you should watch it. It's it, not that bad. I was so checked out. I hated so it. Quickly it was so it. it was so slow. It could have yeah. been like half the length easily. Yeah. No, there was really nothing exciting to me at all about it jared harris is having a good year though eh? between this and chernobyl who's oh is he the writer no he's the he was the 
he was like one of the English guys oh, in this right. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was in Mad Men. Yes. Yeah. And the crown. Yes. Briefly. And the crown. Yeah. 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 He's like that guy's my he'll win an Emmy or an Oscar or something eventually. Like I said, he's having a good year. Yeah. But I don't recommend the 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 Carnival Row show. I think it's I think that neither one of them are very good actors. I think that clearly it's very imaginative, but it's so chatty. There's like a foot chase towards the end that I was just like, thank God. Right. It's finally I'm kind of interested. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was kind of when I tuned in. But yeah, I I don't even think it was an issue with either of their acting. I just don't think like the story was that interesting. No. It was like a combination of of like Harry Potter and Guy Ritchie's Sherlock (laughs) and... I don't know, Peaky Blinders? I haven't seen Peaky Blinders, but I can see how it's aesthetically similar to yeah. that. I kind of wonder if Guy Ritchie's Sherlock would be any good, if not for the inextricable charm of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I haven't seen any of those movies. You've never seen Guy Ritchie's Sherlock? No. There's only two of them. Okay. The first one's pretty it. good. It's okay. kind of complicated. Honestly, it's like, you kind of have to be at peace with not really knowing what's going on. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But they're like, it's good action, and he's yeah. obviously great. I think they're finally doing another one. Right. They are, yeah. Now that he's freed up a little bit. Yep. There's no like Will Smith news except to say that we never were on the podcast to talk about that deep fake that came out last week where it's Will Smith playing Neo in the Matrix. That was Which he was initially supposed to play, right? Yeah. Was was he offered the role? I think he was offered the role and he turned it down. Right. Okay. Which might have been a mistake. Yeah. Revisionist history, it's hard to know. But maybe it wouldn't have been as good with him. Yeah. Um, also he's, the trailer got released for bad boys three today. No way. Yeah. Okay. I saw it. Uh, I saw the start of it online. Yeah. And I just don't know. I know that he looks way better than Martin Lawrence looks. Martin Lawrence looks like he's gained a, a human. Really? Is yeah, that he's big like, now? He's like a heavier guy. You'd think that like, well, that's a, that's a huge exaggeration, but. No, but you'd think like similarly to Mark Hamill, like you find out you're going to get to be like in a in a big vehicle again. Like yeah. maybe go to the gym a couple of yeah. times, you maybe know. Cut weight. Yeah. You know. Although Martin Lawrence knows what he is. Yeah. And they probably can only do so much, right? right? He doesn't have that Will Smith money. Exactly. So he's playing a bad boy again. He's playing a bad boy. One thing about bad boys, no matter how entertaining... Not that trustworthy. You can't trust the bad boys. Never trust uh, the Martin Lawrence bad boy. Yep. And never trust the Will Smith bad boy. More simply, never trust Will Smith. What you gonna do when they come for you?